0: just a bunch of witty banter. Good side, uh, I'll have a quip. You a, a quip. It's just cadals. Peppa, Peppa. A pe, a Hello, everybody. Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number seventy-three. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Joining me today, we have Max Frosted Tips, Scott.
1: Hey, what's up? My tips are extra frosty today.
0: Then <laughs> we've got Hunter Stout Mode Dorset.
1: Stouting it up over here. You know, I kind of resent that,
0: that I am now at
2: the back of the lineup, Chase. You know, I used to be second. Now I'm third. This I is shuffle
0: the first time I've been second. There's, I'm first. How about that? <laughs> Yeah, we're sick of it. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're all co-hosts. We're co-existing as hosts. Mm-hmm. See it on the business card, guys. An Don't fuck up the hosting. equilibrium right now. We had a good thing going. We're balancing this house of cards quite well. I'm saying the same to you, Chase. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're fucking doing over there. <laughs> ah, it's good to be here with you guys again on a Wednesday. Another week has gone by. Mm. And it's another week to review beer. Because Winnie Banter always reviews beer, and Hunter... What is the beer review this week?
2: Okay, so today we are dealing with the Skylight Dunkelweisen. and it's from um, New Republic Brewing Company, which is actually a College Station
0: brewery. So Go this one's, this one's brewed right out of out of Texas. So by default, it has become the coolest place in College Station, being a brewery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It technically has the most beer, so
2: super trendy College Station. Uh, so on, there's actually not a whole lot on just sort of like review sites in general, but on their website, uh, one of the little excerpts says, mild and effortlessly drinkable. The Dunkelweizen is the Hefeweisen's more intriguing sister. Skylight appeals to fans of wheat beers and box. Although it is a wheat beer, Skylight should not be served with an orange, but like all of our beers with good company.
0: That's a good write-up, you know. Yeah,
2: I like your adjectives. Did not
1: come from College Station. It's
2: simple, that. but it's unique.
0: Yeah. It's short. It's to the point. Slimy yet satisfying. <laughs> now I've got some some news to hand over to you guys. at Hunter, I don't think it's gonna make you too happy.
2: Oh what? Uh, uh, well, you're we, off the show. I, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm out. <laughs> I've recently gotten some feedback not at your uh, not in spite of you but that someone thinks Max does a really excellent job at describing the beers oh wow oh. yeah he's he's rearing in to the mind's eye of the public as the beer describer
1: oh, is this no. tip submitted anonymously
0: I know who submitted it
1: oh. Wow. Well, that's what's important. You don't want that's to expose it. That's that. a secret that I'll take to my grave. Yeah. Well, thank you, whoever that was. I'm glad he liked my... I guess it was just from that From the. But one I'm just beer. saying, Hunter, like,
0: we can't let this fucking clown already try to outshine us with our beard knowledge. You know,
2: you can't just uh, get all worked up when some clown says <laughs> that another clown does good work. Clowns yeah, exactly. tend to stick together.
1: <laughs> Clowns tend to have each other's backs.
2: And since this is an anonymous clown... <laughs> I give this no weight.
1: <laughs> Bobo over here.
0: All right, I've taken my first sip, and we got this one because a, a, a Dunkelweizen just sounded interesting when we were in the store. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of Hefeweizens. I don't like that yeasty, sometimes banana, like bubblegummy flavor that can come with a uh, Hefeweizen. But I do love Dunkel beers, and so it's an interesting combination. I'm sure it's a style that's existed out there for a while. So we wanted to give this one a shot. And just immediately on my first taste, it smells... It smells a tiny bit tart. Like, I think I can smell a little bit of the heffa part of it first. <laughs> Definitely feeling
1: the heffa come through. Okay.
0: But I will what? say that the, the dunkel notes, you know, like, the darker... So it's a, it's a dark beer, right? It's brown. It's an orangish brown. And it's uh, it's pretty unfiltered. I didn't get much of a head on it. The, the dark side of the beer is... Kind of sweetening out that tart that I would expect from a hefeweizen right now, and, and it's kind of given me a balanced, interesting flavor profile right now.
2: Yeah, I think I think my initial take was that it's more, it's closer to a hefeweizen than it is to a dunkel. That it's it's not it's it's pretty um, short taste profile. I don't I feel like it doesn't linger around very long. Um, it is a little bit sweet whenever I whenever I put it back. But, uh, but yeah, I get a little bit of that yeastiness that is usually associated with the the Hefeweizen, and, um, more so than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a little bit more of, like, a close half-and-half blend, but I feel like I get more of the the Hefeweizen than the dunkel.
1: Yeah, for them explicitly saying not to pair this with an orange, I definitely, like, taste citrus in there a lot. Uh, it looks like a soda pop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not a whole lot of header on it, on the top of it as well. Um... Yeah, it's kind of got like a little bit of like a sharpness, a little bit of like that tangy flavor that you were talking about before. It's all right. It's okay. I feel like we're just like over. We're all really... Yeah, <laughs> so we've all pumped our chest out, clown, I mean... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just trying not to overshadow you again. I'm, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. It's a
0: beer. It's cool. Listeners, send, send us to a show at gmail.com or at show on Twitter, who you think the best beer describer is. Oh, Shit. No. There we'll get it
1: is. This we need settled. to make one of those Twitter buttons. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: do all want right. Well, let's go ahead and roll right into the news. This... Is witty banter. So I got a little bit of a theme for these these news stories. You know, Video we keep, games. we normally keep the show pretty lighthearted and uh, superfluous. I got a bunch of news stories that are pretty doomy and gloomy, wow. and they kind of feel like end of time reckoners coming in and. Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, was, jam- I it? was jamming for a second. Yeah. I don't know why you stopped. Yeah. So, I want to see what we can do with these uh, rather disturbing, in some regards, news stories, all right?
1: Okay. Mm, special, wow. Bring on the gloom. Special apocalypse episode, I Okay, like it.
0: yeah. Into the Vild. This first one comes from Observer.com. It says Not a drill. SETI is investigating possible extra- extraterrestrial signal from deep space. And it says an intelligent, er, intelligent, an international team of scientists from the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence is investigating mysterious signal spikes emitting from a 6.3 billion-year-old star in the constellation Hercules, 95 light-years away from Earth. The implications are extraordinary and point out and point to the possibility of civilization far more advanced than our own. The unusual signal was originally detected on May 15, 2015 by the Russian Academy of Science operated Rattan 600 radio telescope in a city I can't pronounce, but was kept, from, <laughs> kept secret from the international community. Interstellar space reporter Paul Gilster broke the story after the researchers quietly circulated a paper announcing the detection of a, quote, strong signal in the direction of a star that's got a brutally long, complicated name. <laughs> so... We've got a first pulse from way out in the distance of possible alien life, guys.
1: What else could it possibly be?
2: I'm just wondering,
0: like, how do you know
2: whether or not it's alien life or not? Couldn't it just be some crazy, like, you know... Space pulse? Yeah, some sort of, you know, solar or, like, star... I don't know. I really don't know anything about space, so (laughs) I feel like it could be anything, but... I mean, these guys know what they're doing, and they've set up this SETI precisely for this mission, so I feel like they would
0: know, I guess. So, there's a quote here from a man named Alan Boyle, who is the author of a book called The Case for Pluto, and he says, The signal conceivably fits the profile for an intentional transmission from an extraterrestrial source. And then it goes on to say that the signal strength indicates that if it, in fact, came from an isotropic beacon the power source would have to be built by a Kardashev Type 2 civilization. It explains, it defines that as, that scale is used to determine the progress of a civilization's technological development by measuring how much energy was used to transmit an interstellar message. Mm -hmm. And then it says, an isotropic beacon means a communication source emitting a signal with power equal in all, with equal power in all directions while promoting signal strength throughout the travel. So So it's just like, they got some pulse of energy that they think Was sent out in such a way that was meant to be sent out, it looks like. So, do y'all
2: know about the levels of civilization and like what that means? No, do you? Yes. So, lay it on me. There are three like laid out levels of civilization that have been like organized by scientists. A level one civilization is a civilization that can fully utilize the resources on the planet in which it's inhabited or inhabiting. So, like, all of the plants, all of the uh, all the natural resources that are available to it, it can basically fully utilize without any sort of like drawback or anything. A level two civilization can use f- fully utilize the power of its nearest star. Yeah, and a level three civilization can fully utilize s- several stars in a galaxy. So we are a level zero civilization <laughs> we can't even fully we're still on like plants we're still and fossil fuels yeah. and all this stuff and we do it pretty shitty as well um, but a level two civilization that literally dices fear that, shit that yeah it literally means that they could like fully encapsulate the energy of like the Sun and use it to send a
1: signal like this which is oh. incredible oh. and what what does they're claiming it say about that like they're their niceness <laughs> like other- <laughs> So level nice two like yeah what's their sweet meter at? their sweetness meter
2: i don't know man i mean i i feel like when you get to that level of of sophistication in the civilization you've got to just be going for survival like you're you're probably so much beyond like let's make friends with the people across the way it's probably just like let's take all their shit and keep going yeah, <laughs> you
1: <know? they> <laughs> cool. really
0: i would think it might be the opposite because yeah. like as we've gotten more advanced, I feel like we've gotten more friendlier and the vast majority of people are trying to avoid conflict. And at that point if you're able to like harness the energy of a star, aren't you like well, we're set for life. let's ping the world let's see what's out there. Yeah Maybe
2: but I mean the, the idea from the idea I get is that when you're so powerful like that and maybe you can even like interact with other civilizations that are like that, it's like gang wars, you know you're, you're fighting for what's yours. And you're not just going to let some peon, like people on Earth, come up into the ranks and, you know, mess with
0: their survival. And it's like Ahmed said way back in the Deep Cuts. Like, we usually don't have this, like, cross-species morality, like, where we don't really care if we act in bad nature towards like animals and a civilization that advanced probably wouldn't even see us as equals and we would just be like bacteria on okay. a rock.
1: Yeah. Let's get this stuff off of there so we can really explore. <laughs> Precisely. <Just> eradicate. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I observing.
0: remember when we had a question recently about uh, the possibility of alien life, we all got pretty existential and dreadful of it. And this was a real news story that popped up saying that we're exploring this beacon out there in deep space.
1: There's just no good thing that's going to happen from encountering extraterrestrial life. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no good scenario.
2: Well, they could, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't really think there is that either. I mean, the best case scenario, in my opinion, is we meet some guy and they, like, have our backs no matter what. You know, that would be cool. They think we're adorable. But even if, like, yeah, even if they gave us some, like, super advanced piece of technology, they think we're adorable. <laughs> yeah. These guys I are think, cute. Imagine if they like <laughs> dropped off some super advanced piece of technology. I don't think we could handle it. I don't think we know what to do with it. That'll <laughs> That'll I don't think we would.
1: Give us a whole bunch of space cash. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <we're obviously> <laughs> <laughs> These are the Zildons. <laughs> space cash.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's see. All right. This next news story is from the Washington Post and it's titled The Superbug That Doctors Have Been Dreading Just Reached the US.
1: This sucks. This episode sucks
0: so <laughs> far. Told you guys to strap in. Strapped. It's, yeah. It reads For the first time, researchers have found a person in the United States carrying bacteria resistant to antibiotics of last resort, an alarming d- development that the top U.S. public health official says could mean, quote, the end of the road, end quote, for antibiotics. <laughs> wow. The yep. antibiotic resistant strain was found last month in the urine of a 49 year old Pennsylvania woman. Defense Department researchers determined that she carried a strain of E. coli resistant to the antibiotic colistin according to a study published Thursday and in Antimicrobial Agents of Chemotherapy, a publication of the American Society for Microbiology. The authors wrote that the discovery, quote, heralds the emergence of a truly pan-drug-resistant bacteria. Health officials said the case of Pennsylvania by itself is not a cause for panic. The strain found on the woman is still treatable with other antibiotics, but researchers worry that its colistin resistant gene, known as MCR1, could spread to other bacteria that can already evade other antibiotics.
1: Well, Andra is super into like this, you know, bacteria and germs and things like that. As one so, is,
0: you know, usually into.
1: Yeah, honestly. And yeah, so I know a little bit about it from what she's told me. And like, when was the first antibiotic invented? It was like what? as soon as like the 30s? Bro, yeah, uh, probably it was like around the, the, the 30s or 40s. 30s right. or I was gonna 40s, guess, right? 50s and the whole yeah exactly i think it's even closer to the 50s and the whole idea of them is that like every time essentially we use them like bacteria like figures it out and
0: hmm.
1: like within a decade and wow. then like we keep and faster like exponentially keeps figuring it out so like we'll use something And then they're like, okay, well, now we've got an armor for that. And then in like five years later, they'll like be ready for the next one. And then like three years later, they're ready for the next one. And like, we've gone through already. Like, like I said, it's that last resort one. So I guess it's the one that's like at the end of that list of. So so we're reaching like the Goku bacteria. Yeah. The one that's just ready for all of it. The one that's like, talk to everyone on the streets. (laughs) The one who knows all your fucking tricks. And it's just like down to just sitting you and kill you. But I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's probably really terrible and I'm not sure what the extent of it'll be, but I think if it kind of forces medical science to maybe, like, move towards something that's not just relying on, like, antibiotics to treat everything. Yeah. And there's a lot of other treatments out there that, I mean, I've, I'm sure we'll figure something else out that'll last
2: Yeah, well. I had a really, like, I'm gonna call it a riveting conversation with uh, my med student friend, Eric Lancaster, and basically I asked, like, what is something that's been the biggest like paradigm shift in med school that you thought one way, and then when you actually started learning about it, you felt and learned uh, differently? And uh, that's a basi- fucking
0: awesome question. By <clears throat> the he way. basically
2: described that this exact topic, which is that for the longest time we just used antibiotics to try and like cure all of these bacterial diseases. Uh, but really, what sucks is that. The majority of bacteria, or at least like a very, very large portion of it, is good bacteria. And it's good bacteria that you want to keep around. Um, Only like a very small amount is actually like this really malignant, bad bacteria. But we are using antibiotics, and they're completely like cleaning out. They kill all bacteria. And so that basically leaves you more open to have bad bacteria respawn and continue to grow. Which, now they're starting to realize, like, we can't just use antibiotics to cure everything because that's making everything worse. And I guess, it, yeah, it's making it's making shit stronger and more yeah. resistant to, to stuff we have. Luckily, we have b- technology that's going to continue to keep going against it. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those, like, I would probably guess on Mother Nature coming out <laughs> in <laughs> the end o- over us.
1: It's definitely it, stronger it, than if us. If it came
2: down to it, yeah.
1: That's why you're not supposed to give, like, kids antibiotics really early because once you put in somebody's body one like it kills all that bacteria and like i was saying before like if you bring it into somebody's body with antibiotics and like the new bacteria is gonna know what to expect essentially after that so, yeah yeah what do you think chase
0: i was like it's, i just thought the headline was fucking terrifying
1: yeah yeah i mean you should just Super put disease it, kills everyone <laughs> is uncurable exactly it's the thing that might happen <laughs> prepare yourself it's time to die Dude, <laughs>
2: the E. coli out- recent outbreak that happened was probably the most annoying shit that I can remember. No pun intended. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I mean seriously, like people were in a straight up panic, like a flurry of just emotion over like one guy having E. coli and or one or two people e. having E. coli. Yeah. That's why
1: people get E. coli all the time. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, I think they have... I think...
2: (laughs) I think E. coli is, like... It's a common bacteria. Like, we have have that bacteria, like, in our stomach, and that helps us, like, be able to digest shit. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, it is a sickness having E. coli is, like, super dangerous because it Mm -hmm. spreads... Incredibly fast, and it's like almost impossible to, to quarantine. It but your
1: poops weird. So,
2: but yeah, you don't remember that huge E. coli outbreak, and then everyone was like freaking out because it got to America somehow, and then it got to Dallas, and everyone was like, Ebola? "I think you're
0: talking about Ebola." Ebola. Ebola.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait. <laughs> I was like, "What the?" I'll fuck go ahead and put, a, put the put the gun to my head now. Damn, it. <laughs> what <was> that? <laughs> uh, Dude, Ecoli, okay, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. we're good on that. That's pretty approachable. I think.
2: Yeah. No. But the Ebola thing, we should just say that it's Ebola. There was like an E. coli outbreak at
1: Chipotle, which is why we brought that up. Like, remember when everybody's freaking out? I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, I fucked right. up. Sorry right. about that one. But yeah, Ebola is
0: we'll, ridiculous. We'll, we'll move. We'll move on. <laughs> the next. The next story comes from the one. From the Washington Post as well, and it says, Anthrax sickens 13. Oh, what the fuck, <laughs> what? Oh. dude? Hey, <laughs> sorry, me. sorry, go on. We, we like to have fun here,
1: right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> anthrax sickens 13 in western Siberia, and a thawed out reindeer corpse may be to blame. What? Oh. Jesus Christ. That's pretty metal, yeah, metal. dude. It reads, temperatures have soared in Western Russia's Yamal Tundra this summer. Across Siberia, some provinces warmed an additional 10 degrees Fahrenheit beyond normal. In the fields, large bubbles of vegetation appeared above the melting permafrost and strange pockets of methane, or more likely water. Um, Sorry, that sentence is strange. (laughs) I'm totally lost now. In one of the more unusual symptoms of unseasonable warmth, long-dormant bacteria appeared to be active. For the first time since 1941, anthrax struck western Siberia. Thirteen Yamal nomads were hospitalized, including four children, the Siberian Times reported. The bacteria took an even worse toll on wildlife, claiming some 1,500 reindeer since Sunday. According to NBC News, the outbreak is through... <laughs> it is thought to stem from a reindeer carcass that died in the plague 75 years ago. As the old flesh thawed, the bacteria once again became active, and the disease tore through the reindeer herds, prompting the relocation of dozens of indigenous hit community. Herders oh, face a quarantine that may last until September. So now we've got zombie plagues coming out from the... <laughs> zombie reindeer. Zombie reindeer.
1: Merry Christmas, everyone. I totally
0: thought that
2: anthrax was- <laughs> I totally thought that anthrax was like a man-made drug. Man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought we like mailed that to people. Yeah. Not put it in reindeer carcasses. That's crazy. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of I mean, crazy.
2: Why is it so specific? So it's like it's running rampant through the reindeer society. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's also spreading to these um, these <laughs> communities up in the Siberia. So it's just like this thing became active and is now just tearing through everything that lives around it.
1: Jesus, Jeez, man. We're I don't building. know what to say. I don't know yeah, what you want me to say. That also sounds horrible. <laughs> also terrifying. Look,
0: maybe the theme was a bad idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, anthrax sucks.
0: We can agree. All right, here. How about this? This last news story I picked to be a little bit of an upper to cleanse our palates. Thanks. A little ginger. And this one comes from the Christian Science Monitor, and it reads, NASA opens research to public. And it reads, It's been a good week for science and space enthusiasts. NASA announced last Tuesday that they should be releasing hundreds of peer-reviewed scholarly articles on NASA-funded research projects online. The articles are entirely free to access for any member of the public. The new service is a big deal for the Space Agency, which has been gathering scientific information on a huge variety of topics since it was established in 1958. The move comes amid a greater push for scientists to make their research free to the public for others to learn from and, and to build upon. One computer programmer and research associate at the Britain's University of Bristol went as far as to call the practice of sealing scientific research behind a journal's paywall immoral. And he says, quote, if you're a scientist, your job is to bring knowledge into the world. And if you bring new knowledge into the world, it's immoral to hide it. He wrote in a 2013 editorial published in The Guardian.
1: Hmm. What do you guys think about that? I agree with the idea that, like, keeping scientific knowledge hidden, I mean, for the most part, outside of, like, maybe mass hysteria or panic, that might be an issue. I disagree. Yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, and honestly, like, I can see why. And, like, that's just the only reason where, like, I might – I wouldn't call it necessarily immoral at that point, but I would say, like, everything other than that, I would absolutely – like, I don't think that it, like, should be – like a law to keep it exposed, but I do think that it's hard to argue that that's not immoral to not share your research for free to help literally better the world. That's the whole idea of it. It's I don't think it's like on a on. legal
0: binding thing that's keeping them from sharing it. But what is sharing it is these journals who make you pay for it, and the reason you have to pay is because you got to fund the research. You know? Yeah. That's the one. That's the first thing I thought about when I saw his quote. It's like everything needs to be free. It's like, well, then how are we going to fucking pay for any of it? You know? And plus, like, I don't know,
2: there is a sense of responsibility when you're going about these studies to make sure that you're relaying the information to the masses in a way that's true to form. And it's so easily manipulated by journalists and people that are trying to get clickbait, you know, just saying like, oh, researcher says that aliens do exist, in fact. You know, and like, that's not what the guy's actually saying, but, you know, he might have some conclusive evidence to say that the facts suggest this you know and i think it's there are a lot of like really fine lines and uh qualified conclusions that these scientists are coming to but it's hard to know how to appropriately tell the masses you know like because what distribution method do you go to without completely contaminating the actual truth you
0: know i do think it's cool i mean as someone who like who understands that the paywall is there to fund the research i'm also someone who like once i lost my like ut access to the library's database when i became not a student i was like this fucking sucks because i've sat there for hours just like dude the access to information on that is incredible you can literally yeah. learn anything to a degree of detail you would never imagine possible and i wish i still had that you know
2: yeah yeah it's it's un- it's unfortunate that it's that it's not a little bit more open like that and you I wonder if it really is the whole funding the thing I mean I'm sure it is because I, I think researchers and stuff probably get underfunded anyways but yeah I I mean I think the whole idea of immoral that's tough That's tough for me well, to, to say because I, think, I think that's a person to person thing really I, you know
0: I think a wrinkle in it though that we're kind of missing is that. It's everything that's NASA funded research is being released, which means it was public It was paid for publicly by the government So therefore it's like this belongs to the people because it's tax yeah. money that yeah. paid for it And I can understand that
2: that makes sense to me for sure yeah. We need to we need to see what Max Kelleher has
1: to say on this subject.
0: That's kind of why I brought it up, man I'm trying to throw in some more NASA stuff in there because we need to we need to You're, meet up with that guy yeah. This is You're, like only the, we could
1: have a better look at the NASA records <laughs> like a personal. How could we possibly list? do that? Yeah this is like the over-the-pants petting
0: portion of us getting in, uh, into the NASA bed. We're going to move on here pretty soon. We're just ramping it up right
1: now. We're just yeah. buttering him up. Yeah, it's great. He's actually very down for us to come by. I don't know why we're trying to act like we <laughs> <laughs> You guys can come over. Like, are you sure we can't swing by the NASA bit? I told you I would take you guys on a tour. Maybe it is Sunday. High-fiving behind uh, his back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. That's all the news. Let's go ahead and kick it over to the halftime.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Banter Show. Also,
2: like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash witty banter podcast and help the show get
0: discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to Banter show at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the
2: show.
1: Bid-o-bid-o-bid-o. Bid-o-bid-o. Bid-o-bid-o-bid-o.
0: We're back, everybody. We're going to say a little bit more about the beer now.
1: Yeah. What do you guys who's think gonna, about the beer? Who's huh? going to say it first? Gonna you th- go first, Chase.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah, Chase, right. you never go first.
0: Well, I'm the one steering the ship, goddammit. Yeah. I let my co-host take the spotlight.
1: I mean, I feel like I've already got enough of the spotlight for my beer reviews recently. <laughs> I've got the spotlight with metal or magic, so yeah. There's only one spotlight not shining right now. <laughs> Let me say, I'm i can barely like the see position but... I got myself into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, I think this beer's it's not exact. It's still not my favorite style because I just don't like hefeweizens. But I, I still think this beer is doing something interesting in that the what's coming through for the hefeweizen for me is it's a little tart, but it's also kind of more. Sp- spicy and like clove clovey which can sometimes come with the um the yeast and just the wheat style of the Mm hefeweizen and i think that spicy cloviness is pairing up really nice with the dunkel side of the style where it is a little sweeter to kind of take off some of that edge from the tartness uh, but there is still like a brightness to the beer as well and i think it's got a real just a really good mix of flavors i think it's doing what it's its style well you know Max, what do
1: you think? Yeah, I mean, it's super drinkable, but it's almost still got that nice, like, sour taste to it that still makes it unique and stand out. But, like we said before, it's got a really short taste profile to it. So, it's nothing that's, like, overbearing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, the citrus stands out a lot. Uh, like I said, that sourness stands out a lot. Very yeasty. Uh, it's definitely more wisen than Dunkel, in my opinion (laughs) yeah the three wisen man exactly yeah uh (laughs) but it's good i mean it's it's just nothing crazy special at least not at this point
2: yeah i think more than anything i like the novelty of the style of beer um just just purely mixing up two styles that (laughs) i haven't i wouldn't have imagined kind of going together um, I, I think now that it's opened up, I am getting a little bit more of that sourness that y'all are referring to, but I still have like that yeasty sort of Belgian banana-ish uh, from the Hefeweizen coming through. Um, I drank it in two different ways where like I kind of just was sipping it and that wasn't as uh, as beneficial for me. I didn't like that as much. And since it does have a short taste profile, I tried, you know, get a big chug in and I felt like that was probably the more, the better way I like enjoy or enjoyed consuming it yeah uh, I agree
0: as well I feel like the bigger the gulp the more the better you get to know the beer because the yeah. sips like it just doesn't I think it may be like a lager in that it just doesn't hang around in your mouth very long so it just it moves quickly yeah
2: yeah. but I, I think I personally would like it a little a little more if it was more of the dunkel, less of the weissen. but I think I, I think they're pulling it off fairly well and I think that uh, I, I appreciate the effort for sure mm-hmm.
0: good job college station <laughs> all right let's go ahead and move to our segment we're gonna do a top three my number three is definitely goku's hair i think my number two has got to be hyper beam my number one is without a doubt mm-hmm. witty Bancher. top the result. sticking yeah. with the theme guys i want to know what are your top three most feared end of time scenarios
1: like if you were to wake dark. up
0: yeah, keep it a dark. If you were to wake up tomorrow and on the news, like on the TV everywhere, it was like Blank is happening. Like this is going down. What are the top three? Things you
1: would not want to see on that television. <laughs> so screen? this is technically like the bottom three right? <laughs> yes. like That's what we're going for here. Like I don't want to see this on the television when I wake Can up. Can I, right? I'm gonna ask for clarification. How uh, realistic do these
2: scenarios have oh, to be? Did good have question? Be-
0: I want them to be as realistic as possible. I don't so want to hear like z- I don't want to hear like zombie outbreaks and stuff like that. I want it to be within the realm of, you know, maybe outlandish possibility, but have some groundedness.
2: Like you no. could see it happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. anybody want to start? I think I know my number 3. All right, go
0: ahead.
1: Go
2: for it. So, my number 3 is not I think the reason why it's on my list is because it seems very plausible. And I've had a freak out about it uh, at one point in time where I totally thought this was going to happen. But I think that if I woke up tomorrow and they basically were like, well, the financial system crashed. Yeah. Everything's fucked now. That's a good Um, third one. Yeah, I think that would just be pretty horrifying because you know that when you walk outside your door... And you realize that, like, or you see other people that have the same realization, it's straight up just gonna be like people fending for shit. People trying to go get guns and food and water and just. You gotta say that with an accent. Straight up, (laughs) straight up just primitive. Like, I just think it would just uh, roll into chaos whenever you realize that, like, all of this quote unquote value. That you've been, you know, trying to accrue over time by your work and your time and your effort—that that doesn't mean anything anymore.
0: I like, know all my that really little scared. number underneath my Twitter profile will be useless, guys. <laughs>
2: yeah, dude. I have three hundred followers. So then, just getting murdered. And like, it's sad too because, like, I feel like we have become so dependent on the internet that we're so much more vulnerable than we've ever been for something like that. Like, like I don't, I don't think that. The common human who's been exposed to the internet and relied on it for so much like I don't know how much We're gonna be able to fend for ourselves, you know,
1: and well we I really know exactly it. how much I'm going to be able to fend for myself, and it's none <laughs> zero. It's <Yeah>. a <laughs> whopping goose egg on that. <laughs> this is why yeah, no, I kind of want to use that too. because That's a good like I was thinking obviously like Things that are more of like your more traditional view of the word disaster mm-hmm. or something right but I just recently watched a movie, which was okay, but it had the same sort of concept in it. it was, mm-hmm. uh, it's called High Rise. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty all right. Uh, stars, I uh, forget his name, the guy who plays Loki. Uh, Tom something. Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Uh, essentially just like a symbolic view of like the British hierarchy of... You know, wealth and uh, it's kind of just like a stylized portrayal of it crumbling, where it's essentially like, you know, it's all in an apartment building. But essentially, like the end, the same thing kind of happens. Like monetary value becomes useless. And what happens is that people become like animals and barbaric and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah, that's something to where like I have no real world skills. (laughs) And I am very much so not prepared for that instance to where like I don't even know what I would do, much less like having to. Try to. Like, I'd be a miner. Yeah. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> a miner? Like, uh, why?
1: Yeah. You just. Well, go, no, no, just you just
2: am- immediately go into the salt mines and start picking away. I've, just, I've, this is going
0: to be useless one day. <laughs> useful one day. I thought about. I've thought about this before, Hunter. It's a really good answer. Where like, okay the economy crashes and you can no longer make a living making toys because no one has fucking money or time for entertainment anymore what do you do and I'm like well I'd probably go work in like a a factory or like in some sort of industrial field you know just like that would be my first inclination yeah but that's like Um, assuming that business is still going yeah I mean if you're talking about like an absolute just meltdown to where it's the rule of law doesn't exist anymore and we're all you know living on a ranch somewhere then i'd be a farmer i
1: guess but <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> yeah i think everyone would try and be a farmer yeah. so um, i mean i think like <laughs> yeah we would all just assume that really what it boils down to is like what if you woke up and like the like the physical fear of the chaos was around and what it honestly kind of sounds like is like what if you just woke up and like on the news, it was like, hey, we watched the movie The Purge, and we thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Starts now. And you would just be like, well... Yeah, it's anarchy.
0: My number three is going to be something kind of similar, but if I were to wake up tomorrow and there was a full-scale military invasion of the United States, wow. especially in my area... I would be fucking freaked out, dude. I would be ready to flee to safety as soon as possible because I do Where not want to get captured or round up in any way because I would not survive any sort of detention whatsoever.
1: <laughs> I'm way too pretty for prison jail. Yeah, you
2: see the face? What's nice is that we are in Texas, and I think that Texas is going to be one of the last places that places, that like people abroad are gonna try and take over because yeah. everyone and their mom has a gun here. Like, not that's, that that's yep. really not that that's really like helpful in terms of like real huge military power. Like, if you have a tank, your your gun doesn't do anything. But as far as just like corralling the people, you know, and just like taking them out, Texans are gonna be the last to go. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it
0: also seems like not a very strategic area in terms of land to have. You know, it's just like...
1: We got the gulf. Yeah, we're talking about the gulf, and then you kind of, like, the control oh, the south true. coast. Yeah. And then you go up in the middle, and you split up America.
0: Actually, yeah, fuck, we're right in the, that's a chess game right in the strategic right alley.
1: You go straight in the middle in yeah. You never go on the outsides. Yeah. You want you to right divvy the it up. heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: All right, what's, uh, what's your number two, Hunter?
2: So, I'm going to go off of what we were talking about before. <laughs>
0: We all just get basically one answer <laughs> throughout the whole
2: See, thing. No, 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 no. I'm going off of uh, a news item. Okay. I, th- I think it would be absolutely fucking horrifying if you woke up, walked outside, and had like an Independence Day event where you just had the sky was in, completely enveloped with a alien spacecraft that was like the size of the sun.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. horrible. Just, like, trying to comprehend the sheer scale of something that was so big, and it could be, like, super close. I mean,
0: imagine the earth-shattering panic you would feel to have in a single view your entire conception of, like, reality (laughs) absolutely shattered, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, like,
2: you know, like, one view is, like, you know, you see like a bunch of aliens coming in and like they're attacking us and doing all this crazy stuff. I think it would be just as menacing kind of the way than like district nine where they're just like hovering over you in silence. Yeah. Where you're just like, there's this nothing is you can do about a it. horrible looming death
1: <laughs> that is creeping over waiting you. <laughs> to die.
2: I think that would just be like, I can't even imagine what, what one would feel waking yeah. up and seeing that. Yeah, that's more.
0: a good
1: answer. That's a good answer. That's a you know, obvious, an obvious choice, of course. Aliens is probably up there mm-hmm. for most of us. I would say, though, for my number two, is that if I just woke up and it just was like on the news that whatever one of these, hopefully, and ironically, if it was a disease that we all just kind of wrote off, like you were just talking about Ebola, E. coli. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what if we did just like, what if they did just say like, yeah, ends up this, like you were saying, like nothing stops it. All the antibiotics don't work. Like the movie Contagion. kind of this works. Kinda. It literally, you just get it and once you got it, you're gonna die and people start dropping off like the second plague. Or whatever. Yeah. And honestly, because something like that sort of like, uh, there's almost a little bit of, if it's like a physical threat, you have at least that romanticism of being like, well, let's like, you know, get our guns together. Let's like, Get all into this place and like protect each other and stuff. And our cool jumpsuits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something, at least something like that, right? But when it's uh, disease, it's so much more uncontrollable to where like the air around you could kill you. Like anything can just kill you. And like sickness, dying of a sickness. It's you know, just, it just sounds, sounds
0: so like, awful, dude. Like it just I like already the can't handle reverse. being
1: very sick. <laughs> i
0: was sick to the point of death
1: <laughs> and you know you're just gonna that die this miserable. way you're like dude this, well, at least let me die like i'm feeling good like this you know well, like, i think
2: that's the worst is like the moment that you realize that you contracted it yeah like the cough on like, your hand and the drop. no matter away.
1: what very soon i'm gonna be donezo yep, i think that done-zo. would be, yeah, it'll be disease a is terrifying all diseases <laughs> are awful why can't why aren't they all cured i don't get it come on stupid disease this is dumb I think
0: my number two, I was going to say illness as well, but I'm going to put a different spin on it. I'm going to say infestation. If mm. we woke up tomorrow and it was like this species of ants that has been living deep within the earth has now surfaced and they're eating everybody.
1: That's, <laughs> so yeah, that sounds you terrifying. You know there's ants to the hills
0: now or you're going to be eaten by bugs. Or it was like a swarm of human eating locusts.
1: It's like, and they um, can just
0: snip us out, no matter where we were.
1: Like nematode style from <laughs> Spongebob, where they just go around your house and start, like, tearing it down from the outside in. Yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. pretty rowdy. That would be awful. Just
0: pure, because I already, like, insects completely get under my skin already.
1: Yep. And if I had one consume
0: me, <laughs> that would probably be my living hell.
1: <laughs> Plus, it's like, if you're covered in a million, like, insects, like, where do you start to get them all off of you? You don't. It's like being covered in fire. You just freak out And you start Pitter-pittering Probably there might have been A way out of it But you didn't Because you weren't calm And you were eaten alive From your eyes Or whatever
2: Do you have like A specific insect Of infestation That would be The
1: worst for you What are you imagining I think ants Would be
0: pretty bad Just because how many There are I think like super wasps would be pretty bad
1: oh my god that would be awful literally (laughs) (laughs) just got stung to death just a a million wasp stings at once
0: it would be even worse though if it was just like a single swarm like a cloud of wasps only like a hundred feet by a hundred feet but that was just unstoppable (laughs) and roaming the world and you didn't know where this fucker was gonna show up and (laughs) when. dude that's (laughs) they could teleport (laughs) you just knew that asshole was out there
1: yeah I kind of like when we, I mean, we know, we know we're not supposed to say like unrealistic answers, but when we were, we were playing Soul Calibur back in the day, like, what if you just fucking knew that the character Nightmare was just like in America, <laughs> and he was like not stoppable, right? Guns, nothing stopped him, all he did was just run around, or like Pyramid Head, right? Yeah. And all he did was just yeah. go around, and you know that he could like, every day that you slept, you're like, what if he comes to fucking Houston? Yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna wake up in time <laughs> just walking around the fucking you know
0: street, slaying people? Uh, Hunter, what's your number one?
2: So, I I feel like it's gonna be s- like similar to my last one. It's like astronomical of sorts, I think. Um, but I read that like a possibility of the Earth just going out is like a super massive solar flare.
0: Oh, okay. No, this is good. You're not. Li- I thought we were lining up there. Okay, solar flare.
2: So now I know what yours is gonna be. Now. Shut up.
0: We uh, gotta hold the suspense.
2: uh Oh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's like some sort of like just massive ejection of solar radiation and shit, and it would have like a huge. It would basically just like fuck up our entire electromagnetic spectrum around the world, and uh, that would that would fry all of our electronics and all that kind of stuff. But. I think just like watching the sun, kind of almost explode, and like
0: in our direction.
2: Yeah, because I, I I think I think you'd have like a solid twenty seconds or so, where you see it happen, and then all of the effects happen afterward. Because yeah. I think you know, like light's gonna travel the fastest, so like you'd see it just like do some crazy shit, and you're like, <laughs> well. I guess we're done, guys. <laughs> we're gonna be. This <laughs> gives us.
1: Because we have
2: absolutely like no, we have no protection if anything happens to the sun. You know, like we're we're hundred percent reliant upon it. So yeah. I think having some sort of scenario where we come to a realization, either it might even be scarier if it happened like we just found out right before. Like, oh well, the sun's gonna go out way sooner than we expected. Yeah. You know, that would be pretty terrifying. That would be awful.
0: So. I also read things about how, like, apparently the Earth's magnetic poles will switch every once in a while, and yep. when they're in the process of that switching, we lose all electromagnetic protection of the sun, and we just get fucking fried.
2: Yeah, I don't think that, I I, I almost think that, like, life can't exist while it's switching uh, during yeah. that period, so when that happens, we're done, so guys.
1: <laughs> what the fuck is this? What is this <laughs> supposed to happen? Start packing up, Max. Oh, jeez Louise. Right, um, next, number one. All right, so so I see you guys apocalyptic event. I mean, it depends on like what you mean, really, by like something that can happen. Okay. But you know, you guys, you know me, you know yourselves. I think for the most part <laughs> maybe is that <laughs> we're all we're men. Of really science. buttering us up here. <laughs> you know, you're me- <laughs> we're men of science, right? <laughs> Are we? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying that, like. I don't have a very strong religious faith, but oh, this is an good. actual like, this. like revelation, <laughs> revelation apocalypse. I was thinking about that. Too the second that you fucking walk outside and just like if demons Jesus is walking by, fucking, like, yeah, just, yeah, well, yeah <laughs> the just big Horstman. Gruber style, just finger in the face as he's walking by. Uh, no, but just like fucking like demons, like hellfire, and just also at that bo- moment knowing that like, okay. Well, I was very wrong. <laughs> you know, like I was, you know, <laughs> just turning around, having that sink in and be like, whoops, you know? <laughs> And then also, it's just like knowing that like you're. It's not funny because this is a horrible, horrible <laughs> thing. But just like you're not going to die, but you're going to get dragged to hell and you're going to fucking yeah, burn yeah. forever. Much, yeah. The only thing I can do right now is laugh because that would be, you know, obviously beyond a horrific, terrifying experience. And a few yeah. of your friends would be totally fine. You'd be like, "Well, fuck." Yeah, guys, vouch for me.
2: Yeah, I um, think it would be it would be pretty horrible to to like have to not only own up to the wrongness, but then yeah, just like even, you know, the biblical revelation, it's pretty metal,
0: you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty, it's a brutal
1: pretty brutal experience brutal
0: shit that happens, man. Like <laughs> there's a subreddit a dedicated, dedicated specifically to pulling out metal verses from the Bible and it is fucking golden. Wow. In fact that could be is. our next metal or magic is <laughs> metal. yeah Bible. Meddler Bible <laughs> <laughs> Now, okay, I'm considering
2: it. <laughs> Metal magic or sacred text. <laughs> oh,
0: that's good. All right, my number one, which Hunter already has been clued into, would be the arrival of a supermassive black hole yes. near us in mm-hmm. space. Yeah. I was watching when I was like 12 years old, like a scientific show, that it was like, the seven ways, we could totally be fucked. Yeah, I think I've seen that. It's a terrible <laughs> show. Why would you? The ever, number like, one way was a black hole. And I remember the guy on there was just like, well, you know, it would kind of drift in. To our range at first, and we'd see it, we would know it's there. So already, <laughs> you have just the fucking countdown clock, Majora's Mask <laughs> style of like, well, kind of like you, Hunter, seeing the sun. It's like, we're fucked. Yeah. What are you going to do in these last few days? And then, like, you start to slowly feel the effects of it until out of nowhere, like, it's like pulling you, and you've got like a really bad, sustained torture until you're finally just gobbled. I mean, there's just no better example of pure existential dread in my opinion than the inevitability of being sucked into a black hole.
1: It's just a very like, you know, you a moment to look at yourself as like the most minuscule thing possible. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Just be like, wow, I don't matter. My <laughs> species does not matter. <laughs> Much less my galaxy does not matter. Like that's, you know Well that's the thing, is at
2: the be at the at the center of the Milky Way and most galaxies is a supermassive black hole. And It would just be crazy to think that it would get big enough to the point where it would just swallow everything whole, you know? And, uh, I, I also think like, I had a, I had a very, uh, very detailed dream of like two stars that will, were circling each other and they kept getting closer and closer until they hit and united and exploded. And I feel like it would kind of be something like that where you would see just like a black dot in the distance but you would see everything around it like being super warped and then you see things like going into it and it spewing out like fucking just super bright light.
0: Yeah, that would be scary as shit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that'd <laughs> be wrecking. scary as
0: fuck. All right. Well, thank you for the top three, everybody. Let's You're go welcome. ahead and get to the questions. This is Nick's Mail Corner. It's, an it's, it's an Mail Corner. Corner. Let's do it. Man. All right. This first question comes from Tanner who is known as at Forger of Masks on Twitter and you guys might know him as the man who was forging us a mask. a oh, mask of epic fucking proportions.
1: I'm incredibly excited that about this fucking, guy. Yeah, that fucking picture you sent us of it just being in the works is just <laughs> <laughs> mind-blowing. You Witty know, Banter fans, awesome. to fill you in,
0: Tanner is creating for us a crown for metal or magic that is to be passed between whoever the most present Victor is. He is a person who makes his own cosplay and just does like props and stuff. And he does a fucking awesome job. I've been following him on Twitter for a few months now and he just churns out these like Dark Souls costumes and all kinds of stuff, putting de- like really good detail in there. And he's making us this mask that looks fucking awesome. So Tanner's an awesome fan of the show, and he sends us a question. And he says, hey, guys, just started the show last week and while at work and absolutely fell in love. Your insight and humor make the 12-hour shifts fly by. Really appreciate the work you bring to your audience. And as a man who also sometimes does 12-hour shifts, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's going to say, bad. what do you do? Happy we can help. <laughs> He says, but enough of the fan service, let's get to the nitty-gritty. I recently started a new book series, which I've really liked so far, but they introduced a character archetype I despise with a passion, so I figured I'd bring it to you and ask you what character archetype that you cannot stand. For example, the character I can't stand is the, quote, entitled rich child who claims everything and everyone is their plaything, end quote, a.k.a. Joffrey Baratheon. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the great podcast and keep up the great work. Tanner. Yeah, I feel like that archetype is, like, made for you to hate.
1: Yeah, that's not how I'm, like, seeing the question. As I'm seeing as, like, the most, like, cliched or, like, you know, like, archetype that you're just, like, sick of seeing or don't believe is, like, realistic in the real world.
2: Yeah, I I feel like there's maybe even two ways to, to interpret his question. It's, like, what gives you the most violent reaction in terms of, like, just not liking this thing? Like, you were meant to not like it and you fully don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just like trite, and it's overused, and you're tired of of, of this? I'm gonna answer it with needs. the
0: trite, with the trite uh, spin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Oh,
1: I thought you were gonna, oh, go, you were, yeah, that gonna one. go. Oh, uh, yeah. were, like, just, <laughs> I thought you were gonna go. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were gonna. Is anybody gonna cut me off, or
0: <laughs> anybody sure want to go first?
1: <laughs> is there I'm getting pretty get tired
0: of the brooding bad boy.
1: Yeah, mm. I feel
0: like it's rarely pulled off well, and when it is pulled off well, I can dig it. But this whole like, oh, he's so mysterious because he's quiet. That does not equal good or mysterious. In fact, a lot of times it just seems lazy.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. No, I can see that. This is a
2: shitty one for me because I don't read books enough <laughs> to like have something well, it be that be any story. Me Do you yeah. think about?
1: Any anime. Think about movies?
2: Think about
0: yeah. Um, animes.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm getting tired of just like the faultless, emotionless superhero, where it's like they like like a like a Thor type guy, where you're just like, oh well, he's just super powerful, and you never have to really question about his makeup of thought or intention. It's just like the like the, like a lot of Marvel movies have that. And I'm tired of it. That's why, like, it really bums me out that people hate so bad on the DC superhero movies because they're really pushing to have more of, like, a, you know, multiple perspective heroes and stories instead of just, like, Ant-Man, where, you know... Hey, (laughs) Ant-Man was was cool. Ant-Man was cool, -Man. cool, man. Um, uh, and you know, I understand like having that sort of like one dimensionality and it and just working with it, but it just bothers me. I'm sick of it, frankly. Yeah. Um, I think
0: I think an archetype as well. Just to throw sorry, Max, to throw this yeah. in there. But anything that was like ex- I was experimented on, and now I've got this super special thing, and I'm out for revenge.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's awful. You know. <laughs> um, I just wanted to comment on that real quick, and it's funny because I think it's kind of like taken a a full circle approach when it comes to stuff like that with superheroes where like you're looking at these superhero movies and saying that like they're too not too honest to the characters but too just like literal interpretations of like the traditional superhero yeah but then you had other movies that like kind of broke out of that Mm -hmm. and went for it to be a little bit like darker or different Mm -hmm. but now it's almost like That's happened so much That you can tell That people are doing that Because they recognize That the style is popular Yes And then what that does Is it creates this Influx of Like pseudo Like uh, Fucking like Approaches To superheroes Or to any character That's supposed to seem Dark and gritty But it's like So overdone now That people are saying The same thing about like DC movies, like, oh, we're superheroes, but we're just super dark now. That's exactly, (laughs) you can use that voice for stuff like that. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. I wanted to say that, like, my least favorite archetype, and somebody brought this up on another podcast, and it kind of, like, really, it's very specific, but... In the, I just watched Stranger Things all the way through. Oh, I, I did yeah. too, and it's great. Yeah, it's a really good show. It really is. And they actually do a lot of stuff where they like play with traditional archetypes and then tweak them a little bit to make them unexpected. Mm-hmm. Because it almost like sets you up, I think, to like expect something and then they change it and then you're yeah. like, ah. <laughs> so one of the things was spoiler. to well, that, I mean no? You're not gonna want. You. I want to watch it, but I don't think we should spoil the show. Okay. On,
0: on the on the podcast. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, the <laughs> fact is. There's characters in it and there's one and I'll be as spoiler free as possible. There's no spoilers in there. Okay. But the like the main male character is like supposed to be like the darker like shyer, more like creepy kid at school, it's but super he becomes introvert kind Yeah, of. very introverted, right? Yeah. And then, like, at the, you know, usually, like, at the end of a traditional show, like, that character is almost like, oh, you get to see him for who he really is, but he's so introverted that you didn't know how, like, creative and cool he was, right? Yeah, he
2: comes out of his shell. Yeah.
1: awesome. So, I hate that archetype. I hate that (laughs) persona of, like, because somebody else is, like, sociable, they're immediately considered, like, a jock or dumber or stupid or, like, not as creative as the darker looming kid or whatever. Who like has all these different things You're just not getting a chance to know them While like a lot of the times It's really because people like that Are terribly shitty Like I mean I've met a lot of shitty people And a lot of shitty like people It just has nothing to do with your character You know (laughs) as a human being And uh, they kind of play with like How that ends up turning out at the end And he's not like portrayed as somebody bad At the end or anything But he doesn't get like the traditional rewards Of like You know At the Like you know they get the girl at the end and people see him differently and stuff like that. That doesn't happen at the end of that series. And I thought that was really unique and stuff like that. So nice. I'm kind of done with that whole introverted brooding guy. Cool. Yeah. I like that. That's a good answer. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Tanner. Yes. Thank you. He
0: went to wittybantershow.com to send us a question. You can do the same. Someone else who did that is Ben Ebig. And the title is witty banter challenge. And he says this past week, the race to the dark souls three platinum trophy came to an end. Oh, man. shit. He's officially beaten me, guys. He's gotten oh the platinum, God. and I do not. <laughs>
1: <Uh-oh>.
0: <laughs> I threw in my towel a few weeks ago when he triumphantly blazed past me on the finish line. Congratulations, yeah. Ben. That's fucking awesome. Honestly, yeah, I'm right. jealous. I wish wow. I had
2: Way to go, man. That's, it's, it's not an easy feat to make Chase bow down to another in Dark Souls. That's
0: true. Exactly.
1: I will still argue, and I'm going to say it here. <laughs> I'm going to say. No one's better than me at Dark Souls. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, he has a platinum trophy. So. <laughs> Do you have a platinum trophy? Last I time have I have ever a saw a competition, <laughs> the man with the trophy won.
0: Yeah, so. oh, that's funny. He won the competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think the 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 terms was I need to now play through the Nathan Drake collection. And I still intend to do that here pretty soon. I'll definitely give you guys my thoughts when I can. But his question is now, he says, now that the competition is over, would you be open to doing something like this again, possibly with more people from the Banter Nation? I always like the video game talk, keep up the good work. Mm. And I was thinking, I, I think a compromise that we might end up being able to do, what I think that would be fun is if we did like kind of like a video game book club type thing where we all made it a point to play a game and have the listeners play it as well and did a discussion over it yeah hunter i know you've been kind of intrigued in that game inside and i told you at first that it was pc only so you couldn't play it it's now on playstation 4. No, Uh, i would love to sit here and gush on about that game on the show i just haven't found an opportunity to do it so you know, if, if you're out there listening and you want to do like a video game book club type of thing, uh, send us a message at wittybantershow at gmail.com or just go to our website and let us know. But I think it'd be a lot of fun. And if we did it, I think Inside would be a good candidate because mm-hmm. it's on every platform. It's only about about three and a half hours long, and it's like twenty dollars. So
2: yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be a good I'm candidate. totally yeah, it down. It works for that, good for actually. me. Yeah. That's so awesome it. that it's on PS4 now. Yeah, that's super
1: sick.
0: Cool. I'm down All for right. that. This next question comes from Dunter Horsett. He says, Sup nerds. I would like to get to know my banters a little better this week. So, what scene from a non horror movie scared you as a child? Dunter, the connoisseur of alkaline earth products and sorcery, Horset.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a really good fucking question. Because I feel I mean, like a I couple, have some.
0: right? Yeah, I
2: mean I, I feel like every kid has some sort of weird, irrational response to something that's not supposed to be scary <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um do
1: y'all do y'all have anything
2: that jumps out? I have one or two in mind.
1: I have nothing that jumps out to me immediately, so somebody buy time.
2: Okay, I'll go first. So it's a this is kind of a two-parter cuz it's the same movie. But for some reason whenever I was growing up and I was watching uh, Dumbo, so at the very beginning of the movie, there is a scene where all of the elephants are like enslaved to build the circus and it's like this super dreary like rainy and dark and there's all these like thunderclaps and shit going on and I just was so taken aback I was like this is gonna be a Disney movie this is gonna be awesome and this was just this dreary like horrific thing and I was like man this is awful so that really kind of like scared me but then whenever Dumbo gets drunk and he goes into Pink Elephants mode.
1: Did y'all? Oh, do y'all yeah. remember that? No, I know what you're talking about. Pink yeah. Elephants. Look at I've it never up. seen Dumbo. It's pretty trippy, dude. It looks like a modern day synth rock band music video. Dude, you should go check
2: out the Pink Elephants video of Dumbo. He like, he's he's he, he just got done with like this circus act, and this mouse that's like his buddy is trying to cheer him up and you know have him have a good time. And he brings over this bucket full of beer, and Dumbo's like a little baby, a baby <laughs> elephant. Yeah. And so he's sticking his trunk in, and he starts getting wasted. He and is just going. He hard. is slammed. He's shotgunning this bucket, and uh, and yeah, just the the afterward the scene. It's like maybe two minutes. It's just him. I mean, it's nothing like being drunk, but it's just him <laughs> hallucinating <laughs> and seeing all this like super trippy shit. And I was like four, you know. I'm like, this is really intense for Dumbo.
0: Okay, so yeah, that like scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Those are so. good answers. Yeah, that's a pretty good. One. All right, I've got I got two that come to mind. The first one that's a little more on the kids movie side um, is Willy Wonka when they're in the boat ride and yeah, they had just gotten to Willy Wonka's factory and they have like the first song the like a world of pure imagination dude yes and then they get in the boat ride <laughs> and it's um, it's just like a one minute song where they're all sitting in there and he's just like looking at them menacingly and like singing it super low key and they start seeing all of this shit and all these colors are swirling around everyone thinks they're gonna be sick and I was like this is fucking crazy this is yeah. intense as hell yeah he's like I'm the
2: the rose won't stop rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Good throwback to Gene Wilder. I was going to say, rest in peace, Gene Wilder.
0: <laughs> the other one I want to mention is, this is a movie that maybe wasn't meant for kids, but I saw it when I was like fairly young that did scare the fucking shit out of me, was Mars Attacks.
1: Oh, uh, okay. that's a really good one. The
0: yeah. aliens in that fucking movie are terrifying, dude. They just got those little laser guns that just incinerate everything. <laughs> Their with those voice, crazy oh eyes. Yeah,
1: the voice. What's well, weird because they're enough. kind
2: of like humorously scary. Well, it's darkly
1: yeah. scary? Yeah, of course. Like, but like it,
2: they like, like at first they just seem like oh, they just seem like stupid, you know, go figure people. But well, like, it, they actually are kind of just menacingly crazy. <laughs>
1: well, they're like clown scary. You know yeah. what I mean? It's that yeah. kind of scary Like so f- Like supposed to be funny That it's terrifying Right Uh um, right. Mine Which is like It's kind of hard to say Because I'm I mean I'm sure they're supposed I mean it's supposed to be Kind of spooky But within a not overall Spooky Movie Was that I just had like a terrible fear Of the flying monkeys From Wizard of Oz Yeah um, That That's got a, a lot one. of people dude And it's not like The fact that they're flying monkeys It's not like the scene Where they're all flying out it's when you see him walk for the first time and they have uh-huh. a little like, hobble walk. Yeah. That's very just cringy, you know, to see yeah. and just very like wobbly. And that always gave me the shudders as a youngin'. So that yeah, was definitely dude. mine. There's some pretty scary parts of Wizard of Oz. Pretty scary parts of like, as we all talk about, of old movies. Yeah. Old movies didn't give a fuck. Yeah, they don't man. hold back, man. Yeah, dude. There
2: was this one. Uh, there was this one. Uh, going back to like Disney, there's this one Disney show, and I can't remember what it was. I want to say it's like maybe Fantasia, but I don't think that's it. Where like there's this guy, and he's like hoarding all of these children in this thing, and he's turning them into donkeys. And they're just like, ee-aw, ee-aw, and you're like, what that,
0: the fuck is this? this, 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 this sounds this? horrifying. Was <laughs> that Pinocchio? I thought Pinocchio turned into a donkey or something. Maybe. Uh, maybe.
2: It's something of the sort, but like. It's actually, if you look it up, they'll be like, "This is one of the scariest Disney scenes of all time, <laughs> for sure." <laughs> oh, that's, that's, awesome. a that's
0: a good question. All right, well, they- yeah, thanks for the question, Dunter. The final question comes from Twitter, which you can send us a tweet at WittyBanterShow Banter Show to have your question read. It comes from at Dunebug11, who says, "What is y'all's biggest rage moment immediately after being triggered from a video game? you on a controller. Did you break something?" I feel like we might have touched on this a long time ago, so it'd be good for all the new listeners to hear about our totally rage-filled video game moments.
1: Oh, dude, for
2: sure. Okay, uh, yeah, I feel like we all react differently. I know chases to the to the T. Um, I know a lot of chases. To the <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Throw who's them out first? there. Which
1: one? Hold on. Which one stick out to you guys? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Who who wants to go first? I went first on the the last one. Somebody else go first here. Dude, mine's easy. And like, it's funny that you bring this up because lately I've been full of video game rage. Wow. Because I've been trying to get ultra gold. Yeah. And it's just something about ultra gold, gold, ultra gold. (laughs) It's just something about that rank. That's just like, it won't fucking, it'll, and it'll let me get close. Uh, I'll get so very close. It always does. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll just (laughs) fall so far back. And, um, I'll say an honorable mention is that recently I, I was at home alone because I get to, I'm at home alone in the mornings now for like a few hours after dropping off Wyatt and before I go to school mm-hmm. and then go to work. So I had some time and I was just playing and uh, I don't remember exactly like what happened, but I was just losing continuously and like barely losing uh, on Street Fighter. And you know, normally you, know, you get pretty frustrated, you know, and you want to just stop. <laughs> and I played just one more game. And I lost convincingly to a very underranked player who took a lot of my points. And I had the cat was sitting right next to me, and I threw him <laughs> out the window. No, but I have I, I have a fight stick in my lap, and I was just like I was so frustrated. And I know and knowingly because fight sticks from MadCats are like incredibly durable. Yeah, and they're supposed to last forever. And all I fucking did was just get up and I fucking threw my fight stick off of my lap into the ground. <laughs> fucking nailed the ground the cat like jumped (laughs) off like onto the roof essentially freaked the fuck out and my fight stick like Two of the fucking screws just popped right out, and I was just so fucking frustrated yeah. and pissed that I was like, it was like one of the closer times that I'd ever been that. So you get a little
2: physical, before.
1: maybe, even. If I'm alone, dude, like, yeah. it's on. It's <laughs> fucking <laughs> done, dude. Because I have okay. respect for people around me, that's right, right, fine. Right. Yeah. But if I can let loose, then of course I'm going to let loose. I need to, man. I got a lot of pent up anger in yeah. here sometimes from stuff. So, <laughs> Yeah, I
0: think so. something I've kind of realized about video game anger is that sometimes it's not. Always a reaction to the game as much as it can be a conduit for releasing stress in your life. Of course. You know, like that anger's already there and you're kind of letting the video game let it out of you, you know? Yeah. It's no excuse for breaking shit, but. Never. Just something I was thinking about recently. I mean, yeah. one of mine... I've never, like, straight up just broken a controller. I've never broken really anything. I've wanted to badly.
1: Yeah. And,
0: like, I will have fantasies of just breaking <laughs> glass buildings when I'm angry, right? Yeah. But I do know when I was younger, I, like, halfway busted a controller. Like, I, it was a Nintendo 64 controller, and I broke the plastic off of it. I don't remember what I was doing, but I do know that I broke one of my... Uh, wireless microphones when i was playing xbox 360 when i would play halo i think halo was probably probably the pinnacle of my rage because it was so <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it was so like a prophecy yeah yeah it was so closely tied to my self concept of who i was at that point yeah that that losing and especially, like, losing when I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just took my
1: microphone off it's and the threw it at a lose. wall,
0: you know? And I like, yeah. had to go fucking spend $60 on a new one the next day. And you're like, wow, that was stupid.
1: You it's know? definitely, like, a shame drive, too, after that, too. Like, when yeah. you have to go get it and pay for it. Like, that whole process is just, you gotta like, you got to pick up why? the pieces that yeah, you broke. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I mean, when I think of Chase's anger, I always think of just, like, a...
2: A like continual waves Of (laughs) seething Of just seething Just like
1: But it's cathartic He
2: gets to the point where he's going (laughs) You know Um, It builds (laughs) Yeah. Mine is a lot more Like when I'm reaching the height of heights Of anger It's really just like A little bit of disbelief Um Mixed with, like, I want to talk faster and just, like, try and get out my thoughts. Like, this is fucking bullshit. I cannot believe this right now. This is, I cannot, there's no way this is happening. Yeah, I like to
0: do that shit too.
2: And, uh, um, Unbelievable. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's a little bit of disbelief. Um, I don't really, like, I think I have been beaten down by being y'all's friend as far as video games go to a threshold where I don't really get that mad. Like, I just, I try and blow it off because I assume I'm going to lose most of the time, mm. but it's like when it's something that I actually think that I'm going to do well in. Like I've been playing this Marvel Alliance phone video. It's been a game while now for a long time, and I like yeah. dropped it for probably like six months and just recently picked it back up. Like a and drug, yes. Mm-hmm. One and taste. there are just moments where, like, I'd say on average, you can probably beat somebody who's around. Twice to a little bit less than twice as like uh, high of a level as you are. It's kind of like meant to do that. Your AI is just better, um, but sometimes you'll just go against somebody who's like at or below your level, and you lose to them. And you're like, "Are you fucking serious, dude?" Because you just like wait, like that ruined your entire game plan for the rest of the you know like couple hours that you were planning to play. That's and that's a
0: big part of video game anger is the is the. It is it feels like you've wasted your time. Yeah, it is yeah. time that you cannot get back, like I cannot believe I put this time in here and it was just fucking shit on right in front of me.
1: <laughs> yeah. You shit on my time. I gave you some time, you shit on it and you hand it back to me. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, I think that's I think that's how
2: I get it. It's a lot of disbelief, a lot of high voiced, quick
1: paced anger angry <laughs> speech. And uh, and I have some seething as well. I do want to say that when I was a little kid, the first time I ever beat my brother at Kobe Bryant's courtside, which is on uh, <laughs> which is on uh, Nintendo sixty four, he threw the controller at the TV and the controller shattered. And wow. he looked, or he like broke, and he looked at me afterwards and he said, "If you fucking tell mom, I'll kick your ass." <laughs> broke the Controller. That was just something I wanted to throw out there. It's like Damn. one of my first yeah, seeing it. rage Settle the score. That first time. Yeah,
0: that's the true salt, man. Yeah. Okay, well thank you everybody for the questions. You can have your question read if you email us at wittybantershow at gmail.com or if you send us a tweet to at wittybantershow, or just go to our website wittybantershow.com. Now let's go ahead and put some beers out on these let's put some beers on these numbers as we get out of here this way. <laughs> uh,
2: anyone wanna take up the mantle? Me?
0: I'll go first. Okay. I'm gonna give this beer probably a lower number than it deserves, just because I don't really like the style too much. I've just never been a big fan of Hefeweizen. Um, I think this one's balanced, and dr- like I think if you like Hefeweizen, you will really like this beer, mm. because I'm going to kind of reiterate what I said earlier. Like, The smell is kind of like a spicy clove with a little bit of that banana-y from the yeast, but the taste has a tiny bit of citrus in it, but it also... There's a rich malt there that never quite reaches, like, the chocolatey notes of an actual, like, stout or a porter or anything. But it's still, like, a somewhat sweet candy-ness to it. And I think that just really cuts the tartness from the Hefeweizen style really nicely. I think those two things play nicely. But overall, there's still just that kind of sour, just... It, it I think the majority of this beer is Hefeweizen, and it's a, that's just a, flavor, like a, a style I'm not a big fan of. I do think that the low alcohol percentage makes it pretty easy to drink, and you should be kind of like taking big swigs of this one and drinking it pretty quick to really get the full flavor profile, but I'm going to give this one a 6.5.
2: Hmm. Nice. So, I don't even know if we ever even said the alcohol by volume. It's 5.6. Um, and I I agree. I mean, I think I'm not as big of a Hefeweizen fan. Um, I think I would have I would have liked this a little bit more if it did have a little bit of that like toffee, uh, just the normal stuff that you get with like a dunkel. And I uh, I will give them credit where credit's due. I think I think you're right in saying that it's balanced and it does have like a novelty effect for me. I didn't really expect these two to pair very well and they, and they kind of balance each other out and it's, it, it works. But, uh, that being said, I mean, yeah, like Max said earlier, like there's nothing that really stands out as something like, wow, this is really good. Um, I, 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 I like this short taste profile and that I can kind of chug it, you know, and put it back pretty easily. But, um, as far as just the taste, it's, it's not, it's a little too much half and not enough dunkle for me. Um, and I'm, I'm just not super impressed. So I'm, I'm actually going to write off your coattails there. I'm going to get a 6.5 as well. That was the number I was thinking of. Mm. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, see what's so dunkle about it. Um, Other than d- just the darkness. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, then, the like, the look of it, you know? I would almost, like, blind taste of this. I wouldn't have said anything that was like the traditional tasting notes of a dunkel. But... Uh I mean yeah, dude, this beer is just I think something that if you're trying to get like a good drinkable beer for a party or for like a group of people. Yeah. It might be a good idea if you're just somebody who like can't stand, you know, the C or the C tier list of of beers, you know. I will never have Lone Star in my house kind of thing, (laughs) you know? I'm one of those. Yeah, and if you are that then this is a good drinkable beer that you can just kind of serve you know and i think that somebody might try it and it might like spark up a small conversation of just like oh this kind of has like that weird tanginess you know that yeah. that's all it really has because it's gone in such an instant yeah and you can you can almost like ignore that by like sipping the beer mm-hmm. you know but it's easy to drink it's a cool beer i'm going to uh I'll, you know you know what? i'll join you guys and i'll say 6.5 as well i'm gonna uh-huh. say across the board okay 6.5 the stars are aligning.
0: Cool. All right. Well, before we get out of here, real quick, I want to mention to anybody who is listening, I'm going to be on a podcast this week at okbeast.com, which is a podcast done by a friend of mine on Twitter. I believe his handle is at BlessingJr. I might have gotten that wrong. But okbeast.com on Friday, we are doing an inside discussion, that video game I've been talking about for the past couple weeks. We're going to dive pretty deep into why I love it so much, and I'm really excited to kind of just vomit my praise for this story or for that game so if you want to listen in and you're interested in that fridayokbeast.com go check it out but if you want to keep listening to our podcast you can do that by subscribing to itunes to us on itunes just search witty banter hit subscribe and all of the episodes will show up in your download queue for free if you don't have itunes that's okay you can go to our website WittyBanterShow.com to listen to the episodes as well and run various uh, services that are on Android. And if we if you can't find us, let us know by sending an email to wittybantershow at gmail.com. We will try to get there immediately. You can also use that email address to send us your questions, or you can tweet us at wittybantershow or just go to our website, wittybantershow.com. So for Max, for Hunter, and for myself, that's been episode number 73, and we'll see you guys later.